Alrighty, welcome to Dominion Sonship Live today. We have a message again because God is good to talk to us and God is good to give us revelation so we can impart a spiritual gift. And that is what Paul was about. Paul was about speaking out of the utterance of the Holy Spirit. And when we speak out of the utterance of the Holy Spirit, then we're actually giving liberty to the Spirit of the Lord to communicate truth to our hearts. And our hearts will witness, our hearts will bear witness whether what we're hearing is truth or not. And so let us go to Hebrews chapter 12. The title for today is do not refuse the mind of Christ. Do not refuse the mind of Christ. We have been now for a few months on a theme that really has been unveiling with every single week and it's to do with the mind of Christ. And the more we dive in, as my son Boris says, as we dive into the message, we're recognizing that when we talk about the mind of Christ, we really are talking about the expression of the Holy Spirit. That really that the Spirit of the Lord searches the deep things of God, searches the mind of God, which of course is the mind of Christ, because Christ only did what he heard the Father say and what he saw the Father do. So Jesus only did the mind of God. That everything that proceeded out of the mind of God was picked up and delivered by Jesus to us to be able to apprehend and to be able to understand who God is. That Jesus perfectly demonstrated the mind of God. And in this demonstration now, we have been enabled to partake of. We've been able to partake of the demonstration of the mind of God. And it is truly the liberty of the Spirit. That the liberty of the Spirit is what brings about and brings forth a demonstration of the mind of God. And so they're really almost synonymous in a way. So let us go to Hebrews 12 where I said actually verse, verse... 18. For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched, that burned with fire, and to blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words, so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. Isn't that amazing? The Israelites, when they heard the voice of God, and we recognize that the voice of God carries the very thoughts of God. And so when they heard, can we say, the, the audible thoughts of God, instead of embracing and receiving the very thoughts of God that are being heard with their outer ear, they're saying, no, 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 we beg you, please do not speak further. Now that is profound. And so... That's why, actually verse 20 says, for they could not endure what was commanded. They could not endure what was commanded. And so that's why in verse 25, now we can see, say, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. See that you do not refuse the one that is expressing his thoughts. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. And so the title from a message is Do Not Refuse the Mind of Christ. This is the right of Hebrews is writing to the New Testament church 
See that you do not refuse him who speaks like the Israelites of old refused the voice of God when he spoke. And we know in, in Hebrews 4, he expounds the writer that they actually refused because their hearts were hardened. That the callousness of doubt and belief had so set in that they could not even perceive the beauty and the liberty and the glory of the voice of God. That they were so entrapped in the hardness of a old thought process. As we know with the Israelites of old, what was their old thought process? They wanted to go back to where they came from. They wanted to go back to Egypt. They wanted to go back to the leeks. They wanted to go back to the onions. They wanted to go back to the mammoths. They wanted to go back to slavery. Because in, in the twistedness of the lie, it's communicating slavery is better free than freedom. Freedom takes too much work. Freedom takes too much relying on God, which means denying self. Freedom looks like too much work, God. Can I just be a slave? In bondage to that spirit of fear that all my lifetime had subjected me to this bondage? That's what in Hebrews, Hebrews um, 2. Let's go to Hebrews 2. In Hebrews 2, we've read this before. We, I, we've read it before because I, I read it to myself all the time. I read to myself all the time. Why, why did Jesus come? What did Jesus do? Well, he partook of humanity so that I be set free from 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 the wrongness of fallen humanity. So I be set free from the snare of fallen humanity. What is a snare? So Jesus came that he might destroy him who had the power of that. Satan is the snare. Satan is the snare of fallen humanity. He is the captivator. He is the slave master of fallen humanity. And he is a slave master. He is not a liberty master. He is a bondage giver. He is a heavy weight putter on her. Because he had the power of death. So Jesus came to destroy him who had the power of death. I'm reading from Hebrews 2.14, the tail end. Had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those, that's you and me, release us, who through the fear of death, the fear of death is how Satan ensnares us. The fear of death is how Satan does us in. The fear of death is how we were all of our lifetime subject to bondage. What is bondage? Definitely not liberty. Definitely not freedom. Definitely not, not God's way in Christ now. And what does this fear of death do? The fear of death is what calluses the heart of man. The fear of death is here. What? Through the, their unbelief, they could not enter into the promise of God. Through the fear, this fear. Well, we know it was fear that kept them back from entering to the promised land. Why? Because when Joshua and Caleb and the ten others, the twelve all together were sent out to spy that good, benevolent land that God had promised them with an oath to Abraham. They did not believe. 
what God said. Why? Because they said to the voice of God, stop speaking to us. And at that moment, what they're saying, we want fear to talk to us. Well, fear had so spoken to them that when they came into the promised land to spy out what God had already given to them, what did they see? Giants whom they greatly feared. And this fear communicated to these spies, they are Hebrews, that they are of the God kind, meaning that they have the seal of God through the covenant of God, through their circumcision. They have the seal of God on their flesh. Coming to the land of uncircumcision, unsealed by God, given wide open for them to take. What's communicating them? Not the seal of the covenant, which is on their flesh. But Satan's seal of bondage, which was on their mind. And that seal of Satan is this fear of death. Well, what did they say? They said that they, we were like grasshoppers in their eyes, in their giants. And they saw us as grasshoppers, these Philistines, these giants, these Anakites. So that, what does that, that equal in their minds? We're going to be killed. We can't, we can't, we can't take it. They're, they're bigger than us. We can't go and possess the land. No matter what God has said, we know better than God. We know better than God. That's why I wrote today, do not refuse the mind of Christ because we are with the unrenewed mind communicating that to God a lot more than we'd like to think so. I know better than God. I know better than God who I am. I know better than God what my circumstances. After all, I'm living it out. I'm living it out. I'm the one going in the promised land to survey the land. Yeah, he said he's going to give How is he going to give it to me? I can't do this. I can't do this. It's just little old me. Whoa, it's me, little old me. I know me. I know me. Me, 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 me. It's good for nothing. Me, me. No one does anything for me. That's a wrong mindset. And it's that kind of a mindset that is actually an affront to God. And that's why, that's why, so did we read anything from Hebrews 4? Not particularly, right? <laughs> 401. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, which is trust, faith. When you walk, the just shall walk in faith. Do you know what that really means? The just shall walk in rest. The rest of God is me believing God. The rest of God that, that was in that promised land is because God had said to them, that's your land. And they could have walked into that land, spied it out with perfect rest and calm and undisturbed composure because they're disciples of God. God said, it will be so. If God be for me, who can be against me? No Anakite, no perceived giant, no matter what their stature is. How beefy they are. No, we got the beef, <laughs> the word of God. We got the word of God. The word of God is our stature. The word of God is my admonishment. The word of God is my correction. The word of God is my courage. The word of God is my life. And what he has spoken to me, it will be so as I believe what he's spoken. So let's go back to 4.1 in Hebrews. 
Since a promise remains, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear. Now, this is the right fear. This is a reverence to God, not a fear of man like the Israelites of old had when they crossed the land. They saw the big giants. They feared man. You can't fear man and God. You can't please man and God at the same time. You make a choice. Whom you're going to bow? You make a choice. Whom you serve today? We serve God. We serve the voice of God. By yielding to the voice of God, we serve the voice of God because the one you yield to, that's the one you're serving. And so let us fear lest any of you sin. This is New Testament, right? Let us fear lest any of you come short of it. Come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard, the voice that they heard did not profit them. It did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. And so the way you receive the the voice of God, the way you welcome the voice of God will determine whether his voice will work. You don't want to refuse the voice of God. You don't want to have an opposing thought against the voice of God. Last week, we the message was the warfare of the mind. And we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 10 about taking captive every thought that wants to exalt itself above the knowledge of God. And the word knowledge was, was applied knowledge that anything and everything, every stout, wrong opinion of pride and arrogance, every logical thought that just seems so right to the carnal man, that all those things that want to exalt themselves above the word of God, can I say that we have already applied and we know that works, works, the word works, the word works when you allow the word to work you out. The way to take captive every assault against the knowledge of God. Every assault, every naysayer in our mind, every thought that's opposing, well, you know, it worked for you back then, but back then your life was holier than it is now. Back then you were not uh, cheating as much as you're cheating now, Back then you went to church every single day. Now maybe once a week, maybe once a month. Always excuses. Now I'm not saying don't fellowship with the brethren. I'm saying the promise of God is not determined on man's performance, but on the goodness of God. And when you embrace the goodness of God, you're a free woman or free man. Because at that moment, goodness propels you to do good. At that moment, you, you, you are walking upright before God because you know that the price he paid for you to be righteous was his own self. So at that moment, you receive, if he didn't withhold his own self for me to be right in his sight, who am I to disqualify myself? Me with the old carnal mindset to be in the front to God. Yeah, but God, that's a giant. I can't bring that giant down. God says every giant's been slain. Every giant's gone. One giant. But when he speaks, we are to believe. We mix the, the, his voice with faith. That's the engagement. It's not all up to God. We engage with the voice of God. We engage with the spirit of the Lord. How? By believing. How? By allowing him to persuade us. By, for me, personally, daily habitation in the word of God. Whether it be a verse a day, 
whether it be a little chapter a day or half a verse a day. I have the word mulling over me in my mind all the time. I call that meditation. The thought of the word washing my mind, a focused gaze on the word of God that is Jesus. That's how we behold Jesus. We behold Jesus by beholding the living word, who he is. By believing, we looked at, I'll finish here before we go where I'm about to go. So the word that was spoken to them did not profit them. Because why? They did not mix it with faith in those who heard it. And we just read in, in Hebrews 12 how they, in the Old Testament, the Hebrews said, we're begging you, don't speak to us. There was no faith in that. Full of doubt and unbelief. Full of the fear of man. Full of like, he's going to slay me. Not knowing the very character of love who God is. And so, for we who have believed do enter that rest as he has said. So I swore in my wrath, there shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished. So before the foundation of the world, so although the promised land was given to them, their doubt and unbelief brought forth another swearing. Their doubt and unbelief were so stout and their hearts so hardened and obstinate against God, beyond persuasion. And yet they had watched... The same happened with Pharaoh. Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And yet he was given ten times a moment of a choice to soften his heart, to let God's people go. And they were delivered out of that hardened heart of Pharaoh. And what did they do? They mimicked the one they were delivered out of. The one you behold in your mind as they beheld Egypt in their mind is the one they were subjected to. If you keep beholding the Pharaoh you were delivered from, you will become the Pharaoh. Isn't that sad? The very one you were delivered out of, if you keep going over it in your mind, how bad it was or how good it was over there, I can't do that no more. <laughs> I can't do the whatever it was that I did back then when I was in bondage. In bondage, but no, no, we just forget that. We forget how miserable it was in our soul, man, in our emotions, how miserable and rejected we felt at that moment. But no, we only remember the thrill that the flesh had for just, what, five minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, half an hour, half a day. And we forget the months of pure misery. We, 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 we don't have the privilege to behold those moments because that is where a callousness comes against God. And that moment, we forget what God has done for us. We forget the great mighty rescue that the Lord has brought forth as he did with a mighty strong hand. He took them out of Egypt, parted the waters for them. And here they are on the other side of the Red Sea, right before the Jordan, and they're refusing to heed the voice of God. Because in their minds, they're beholding another land, which was Egypt. And so we, when we hear the word of God, we're to welcome it. Let's go to Ephesians. We've looked at this verse before about the helmet of salvation. Now I wanted to look at the word helmet again. This is Ephesians 
6, 17, I think about three weeks ago, we had a message that we touched upon this verse here, but I, it just comes up to me in light of us welcoming the word of God, in light of us welcoming when he speaks to mix that message with faith so that it profit us and places us in a place of arrest. So here, Ephesians 6, 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And I'd said back then that those two are tied together. And, and I had looked up the word to take the helmet of salvation. And that word is pretty neat. It's the 1209 in the Greek Strong's Concordance. And it's just to take, to receive. So, so this, the helmet of salvation, of course, it's to do with the mind of Christ, right? It's a protection of thoughts. It's a protection of mind. And we recognize this helmet is the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is really what's keeping our mind sound. The sound mind that we have now in Christ is the mind of Christ. That we've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. So this is the helmet of salvation. It's a sound mind of Christ. And, 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 and how we take this mind of Christ is by receiving and take note. It's tied to the word of God, the sword of the spirit. Now we know that the sword of the spirit, the word of God, is the rhema of God. It's the spoken release word that proceeds out of God. That man shall not live by bread alone, but, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It's a proceeding living word. And so when I receive the living word of Christ, I'm taking on his mind. Because he only spoke out of the mind of God. And so how do I receive? How do I take? I welcome the word of God. When he speaks, I welcome the message. When he speaks, I embrace it. I receive it in a welcoming way. And, and uh, the word said is to welcome with appropriate reception. And it stresses and and highlights this high level of self-involvement and interest. I am a willing participant. When the voice of God is speaking, I am willingly heeding. And what I'm doing is I'm taking on the mind of Christ, which is the helmet of salvation. When the word is coming, I'm welcoming, I'm, I'm personally engaged, I'm receiving it with faith, I'm allowing the Holy Ghost to, I'm allowing the Holy Ghost to align every single thought as I engage and I bring down every other thought that's not lining with this message, that's not lining with the voice of God. But what so often happens with the old unrenewed mind that we've just let unchecked, We've given the old mindset full freedom to think whatever it wants to think at any single moment of any single day. Stronghold. Now these strongholds, what they do is they actually reject the voice of God. And that's why you have peers that you've been with for a long time. They keep speaking the message of life, the message of life. And they, for that moment, while they're in your presence, are open to receive. And they go away for the week. Next time you see them and they're back, stuck on an old mindset. Because unless you welcome this word of truth, this living reality of, reality of Christ, we are stuck on stuck. And then nothing seems to change. 
we get back in the old moments, we get back in the woe is me, we get back into that which we thought we rescued out of. Yeah, we were, we were rescued, but it's a matter of now, take this, take, take this thought old stronghold down, take it down. Last week's message, you know, these are mighty fortresses. This is not child play, but God hasn't given us child play weaponry. They are weapons of God that are mighty pulling down of strongholds. So that we, when we receive the word, we mix it with faith and the stronghold doesn't reject it. The stronghold knows what to do. It's placed there as a stronghold to oppose. The stronghold knows exactly what to do in, in Christ, know what to do with the stronghold, to demolish it. Demolish it. How do you demolish? You put this word, and this word has inherent power to bring down everything and make it submit to the will of God. Make it submit to the will of God. Let's go to first. Um, actually, let's go to Thessalonians, Thessalonians, uh, first, first Thessalonians five, verse four. But you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You're all sons of light. You're all sons of light and sons of the day. We're not of the night nor of darkness. We're not of an evil stronghold that's keeping the light out. We're not stuck on silly and on repeat mode of an old mindset that's want to tell us your darkness. No, no, we're not darkness anymore. We don't partake with the works of darkness. We are light now and light is penetrating and, 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 and making darkness flee away from us. How? By us engaging with light, by us receiving gladly light. What is light in this moment of this context here? The word of God is light. It's, it's an entry. And as we give the word entry in our life, it produces light. The entrance of his word is what? Light. The, ent the Bible says the entrance of the word of God is light. And so when you're putting the word of God in, you're actually like a major, uh, I wouldn't even say torch, it's more like pegoscope. What do you call it? Lighthouse, beam of light. It is just, what is it doing? It's beaming light to allow every thought, like the ships in the night, to be seen. And so you reject the ones that are not of God. You become a safe harbor for the thoughts of God. So that the thoughts of God be given a freedom and the liberty to grow and to bear much fruit for the kingdom of God. Because we're now sons of light. Sons of the day. We're not night nor darkness. I don't relate to darkness. I don't mull over darkness. Yeah, those days I was in the night, I don't have to think about them. All I know, I'm delivered. I'm delivered. I'm delivered. Even though he still wants to talk to me, where is he talking to me? Not in the new man. I make a very strong distinction, not in my new man. In my new man is only life and light and day. But the old man that is in this process of transformation, this is the metamorphosis, this is the transformation. It's a mind renewal. Don't, don't grow weary. Today, don't grow weary. Today, don't grow weary in this mind transformation. Maybe you, you bumped over that stronghold like 20 times just yesterday. Don't grow weary. Keep on keeping on. Keep the fight on. Keep on keeping on. Keep the fight on. It is a, a good warfare. 
It is a, it is a, he always leads us in triumph. It is a victorious moment every time. Every time. Because we are now day. So, verse 6, therefore let us not sleep as others do. That's why we always engage with God. We don't fall asleep at the wheel. Let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day, let us who are of the day be sober. Putting What is sober? A sound mind. We're talking a sobriety of mind. We're talking about seeing it right. Not a twisted sight. Not a dizzy sight. Not an off sight. Not a skewed sight. A sober mind, a self-disciplined mind, a reigned in mind where I'm aware that the battlefield is in my mind, that the warfare is for my mind. Who is my mind going to submit to? Which master? I say Jesus, my good shepherd. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith. That's a full engagement with the Holy Ghost. The breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Here you have again the helmet of salvation. How? By putting on this breastplate of faith. Well, yeah, because it's based on the Word of God. Faith comes how? By the hearing of the Word of God. So your whole armor of God in God is the very word of God. The utterances that, that come forth from the Holy Ghost. And so when we say do not refuse the mind of Christ, we're saying do not refuse the Holy Spirit communication. That's why here, if we go uh, further down in chapter 5 in First Thessalonians, it says, verse 16, rejoice always, pray, pray without ceasing in everything, give thanks. Now these are these are the safe havens. This, this is where your safety is. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Be always in a place of communion with, with God. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit. In everything, give thanks. Be thankful. 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 Be thankful you're hearing the message. Be thankful you're alive. Be thankful you can read. Be thankful you can hear. Be thankful you see the day. Be thankful. For this is the will of God in Christ. What is God's will for my life? Be thankful. What's God's will for my life? Pray without ceasing. Be in full fellowship and communion with the Holy Spirit. What's God's will for my life? Rejoice always. How does one rejoice? How does one rejoice? Right here. When I go back to Romans 8, 31, if God before me. Who can be against me? How can I rejoice? Well, he first me, he first loved me. While I was yet a sinner, he died for me. While I was yet a sinner, he died for me. He's so worth in me when I was stuck in the night as pure darkness. He's so worth. And so if now I'm born again, how much more worth is there to my life? Because all we're talking now, we're talking about the worth of Christ in my life. Not mere flesh and blood. Talking about divine life in me. Worth. That's 19. Do not quench the spirit. Do not refuse the spirit. Do not grow cold towards the spirit. How do you quench fire? Putting it out. 
refusing it. Don't refuse him. Don't put him out. Embrace him. Welcome him. Welcome him. Receive the word with gladness. Receive, receive him with gladness. When you read the word, don't just be a, a mere reader, a mere hearer, but be engaged. That's why meditate the word, ponder, mull it over, let it be life, let it be life. Let, let this life of what's written here come in and cultivate a tender heart and flush out the fear, flush out the bondage. Let this word be light to you today and let eat it, eat it, eat it. Eat the word, eat the word. If there is any rescue, if there's any rescue in this message today, it is this word. It's this word. This word would line up every kinky thought. This word would line you up and this word would bring forth a great rejoicing. When everyone else is crying doom and gloom, there can be a joy in your life. Why? Because you believe a supernatural reality. You don't see the giants in the land. You say, yes, I'm well able to take this. Like Caleb and Caleb, Caleb, Caleb and Joshua. Say, what you saying? God said, and the word says they had a different spirit. It was a spirit of faith. You know what they did? They had this breastplate of Righteousness, this breast, Thessalonians, in, uh, Paul writes here to Thessalonians, calls it a breastplate of faith and love. That's what righteousness is, faith and love. Because he loved me, he made me right. And I believe that, that's faith. And what did Joshua and Caleb have? The helmet of salvation. They welcomed the word of God. They welcomed the mind of God. They welcomed this lofty thought that said you can have that good land. What? Based on not my desi ability or Joshua Caleb, based on God ability. Who lives in me now? Mighty Holy Ghost. It's no longer I who lives. It's mighty Holy Spirit. Oh, we have God ability. We are the overcomers. Why? Because we're born of God. How do you know I'm an overcomer? Because the Spirit of God lives in me and He has overcome it all. How do I know He overcame? Because He resurrected from the grave. <laughs> Resurrection life lives in me. Overcoming life lives in me. And, and Paul writes to Corinthians that God always shines light out of darkness. So what that you're in a dark moment? God calls it light because you choose to engage with light. No matter how dark your moment is, if you choose to engage with light, you're coming out. If you choose to engage with light and you hear this word and you mix it with your believer, you're coming out, you're coming out, you're coming out. And you'll be a living testimony, a living epistle to this divine Christ life that lives in us. And so we don't quench the spirit. We don't refuse the mind of God. We don't harden our hearts against the voice of God today. Because the mind of Christ is carried by the Holy Spirit. Let's go to, to, to 1 Corinthians on the way to John. 1 Corinthians. We've read this chapter too. Just regarding the function of the Holy Spirit. The how he carries the mind of God. So we, 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 the context here is that, um, Paul writing that we speak the wisdom of God in verse seven in a mystery, the hidden wisdom of God, which was ordained before the ages 
for our glory. So Paul is saying we are speaking hidden wisdom, hidden mysteries, divine realities that the world has no concept of. How can I have a joy? How can I have a courage? Because I have a hidden mystery that the world knows nothing about. But I've been privy. So here we know how we are being privy. So he said, these are hidden wisdoms from God. Ordained before the ages for our glory. Why am I rejoicing? Because it's for my glory. It's for my glory. Ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. Why? They don't have the Holy Spirit. That's why. Why would you talk to a, a non-born again person? Why would you talk to a non-born again person and receive their information, receive their information and take fear from them? When God has privileged us to something far greater, God has privileged us to life divine. To mysteries that are working for our glory. Because if the world knew it, if the rulers of this age knew it, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. So obviously they did not know it. And because they crucified the Lord of glory, only for him to come back up. Here I am. And you're totally defeated. Them not knowing these hidden mysteries of God cost them their doom and gloom. But to us, it was glory of resurrection, life. Because it's written that eye has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them who love him. But God, though my natural eye hasn't seen, though my natural ear hasn't heard, ha ha, but God who lives in me now has revealed them to us through his spirit. So now I have access into the very mind of God and for the spirit searches all things. He has the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world. We've not received the spirit of the world. But we have received the spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us. And these things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. And so comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So let's go to John chapter 16. The power of the mighty Holy Spirit. So this is Jesus speaking, John 16, 12. I still have, so what did we just say? That we're speaking words that the Holy Spirit is giving to us. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, and we know he has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own. This is it. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. What did we just read? That he searches what? The deep things of God. He searches the very mind of God and what he hears in the mind of God, which is the movement of the Spirit. He, he now produces and releases to us. Whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you 
things to come. He'll glorify me for he'll take of what is mine. He'll take of my mind. He'll take of my mind. And what is he going to do? Declare it to you. And that's why today, today, when you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the day of provocation. But today, open up and receive the voice of God because he's declaring to you mysteries that are for your glory. Mysteries that are for your glory. Here in um, chapter 14 regarding the Holy Spirit, verse 17, actually verse 16, I'll pray the Father, he will give you another helper. That's the Pericles that we talked about last time. The, the, he's the helper, come alongside of us. To, to speak out. He's called to talk to us and we're called to hear him. That he may abide with you how forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot see because why? It neither sees him or knows him. Because if he had, if the world, if the ages of, if the princes of this age had received, the rulers had received this divine knowledge, they would have known not to just back off of Jesus. Just back off of Jesus. It's not good to touch Jesus. Not good to touch the anointed one of God. The one whom God sent. The Messiah. Touch not God's anointed, the word says. Don't touch the Christ ones. Don't touch the Christ ones. They're holy unto God. They're set apart unto God by this mighty Holy Ghost. But no, the rulers of the ages did not know that because they could not receive the Spirit of God. They don't know the Spirit of God. Why? Because the Spirit of God dwells in us and He will be in us. And He'll not leave us as orphans, but He'll come to us. Here in verse 26, the same chapter, John 14, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things, what things? The ones he hears. The ones he searches the deep things of God. He's teaching us. The paraclete, the one that's called to be alongside of us. The advocate, the intercessor, the knower-all. We're to receive, to welcome the instruction. We're to engage with the instruction. We're not to refuse the mind of God that he is bringing to us, but we're to heed the instruction of this message, to mix it with faith so that we might live, us and our children. So here, the help of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I say to you. So not only will he teach us, but he'll keep reminding us and reminding us and reminding us and reminding us and loving us through that reminding. And love. Why? Because he's tearing down a stronghold. Why? He's demolishing an affront to goodness. Why? He's destroying lies that are telling us we're not lovable. So he'll keep reminding us that God so loved the world that he died for us. That God so loved me that he laid down his life for me. That God so loved me that now he is abiding in me through the Holy Spirit. That God so loved me that he is for me. That God so loved me that no man 
shall take me nor snatch me out of his hand. That I'm tucked in his life and his life is in God of God. Why? Because I'm now a partaker of the tree of life. I'm a partaker of the tree of life, which is the body of Christ. Which is the body of Christ. I'm hid in that tree of life. And let me tell you how you know the tree. It's by what? It's fruits. How do you know a tree? By, can we see the fruit that bears here? If we go to, to Matthew, we're going to close here. Matthew 12, 33. <laughs> how exciting is it to be tucked in this tree of life, to be part of the body of Christ, to now bear and possess and have access into the very mind of Christ that we are ever growing, that we are ever being transformed into, allow this transformation Welcome the transformation. Work with the transformation because there is a mighty tree of life that's growing even in you that you will become a shelter to the multitudes. That not only are you part of the tree of life, but you're now becoming an offshoot of the tree of life. That the birds of the air, those that need shelter, those that need nourishment, those that need the shade in a, in a scorched land, that they'll come and they'll feed off of you. Off of the fruit that you bear. Because the tree is known by its fruit. Matthew 12, 33, the words of Jesus. Either make the tree good. And it's fruit good, or else make the tree bad, and it's fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, that's the Pharisees. How can you, being evil, speak good things? Right off the bat, he's saying, you vipers, you religious, you religious Pharisees, you're a bad tree, and you only bear bad fruit. You only bear judgment because you've placed yourself in being a judge to another. Whitewashed tombs looking good on the outside and full of dead bones on the inside. Brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, we know that Christ is, Jesus is the tree of life. And, and out of the abundance of the heart of God comes words of life for us. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart, that's Jesus, out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasures brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word, for every inoperable, for every idle word, for every word that does not come from this tree of life, that's not producing life, Huh. Every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. By your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians. By your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. What did Paul tell the Corinthians? In verse 4, my speech and my preaching were not in persuasive words of human wisdom. They were not idle men, inoperable words. 
But in demonstration of the Spirit, they were words of the Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord was demonstrating the life of God through what I'm saying. Paul is, is writing it. It's coming from a good tree that's bearing fruit. And this, these words are my justifiers that I'm called of God. The words I speak to you. That's why Jesus says, if you don't believe, just believe the miracles I'm doing in the midst of you. How did these miracles come about? He spoke life. He says, let, let the fruit of my tree be a witness to me, Jesus said to the Pharisees. No. Not good enough. Why? Do you know why? Because if they dared look at his tree, they'll recognize that they were not of the same tree as his. And they shunned him. And they condemned him. And what happened? How did they condemn him? With their words. And what happened on them? Condemnation fell. Because by your words you be justified, by your words you be condemned. And that's why Paul says he spoke not of human words, but in demonstration of the Spirit, so that a Spirit end of power, verse 5, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. A tree that is planted by the streams of water would always produce a life-bearing fruit that would demonstrate the power of God to man, so that man's faith would solely rest on God's work, not on man's ability. Because man's ability achieves nothing. Of myself and of you yourself, you can do nothing. But God in you, Christ in you is the hope of glory. And that's why if we go here to verse 13, these things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual why? Because a tree shall be known by its fruit and out of, out of the treasures of what's inside of you that resides in your heart, goodness only comes. And so situate yourself today in the tree of the mind of Christ and bear good fruit, good fruit for the kingdom of God. Amen. We're done.